0: is the star who rose out of Jacob. Everyone who comes to God through the light of Christ will be children of the Most High. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of his word, which begins with prayer. Let us pray together. Oh, gracious Father, this indeed is a special day a day of celebration as we rejoice in your love for us. For you have given us your only begotten Son. In him we find our rest. Yes, in him we find peace. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can hear, understand, and receive the wisdom and guidance found in your word. May the words that proceed from your mouth nourish us in the way of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. About a month ago, back on November 19th, 2023, Eleanor Rosalind Carter, the former first lady and wife of President Jimmy Carter, died at age 96. Rosalind Carter was a writer, a uh, an advocate, an activist, and a humanitarian. Rosalind Carter and her husband, Jimmy Carter, established a, a nonprofit organization called the Carter Center, dedicated to promoting democracy, human rights, and peace, peace around the world. Her husband, her husband is quoted as saying, War may sometimes be a necessary evil, but no matter how necessary, it is always an evil, never a good. Both Rosalind and Jimmy Carter are world-renowned for the message of peace that they shared. With all the violence that's going on, in our neighborhoods and in our cities, and throughout our nation, and with all the violence going on in the uh, with the war between Israel and uh, um, uh, and the war going with with uh, Hamas and Israel, and the war in the Ukraine that's continuing to go on, that just kind of gets overshadowed by what's going on in Israel. The message of peace in this world and in our lives is sorely needed we as christians are commanded commanded called to be peacemakers to seek peace jesus pronounces a blessing on peacemakers saying that they will be called sons and daughters of god today is the second Sunday of Advent. The theme for the second Sunday of this Advent season is is an emphasis on peace. Peace. This peace is not only seen in the tranquility of the season, but it is also the fulfillment of God's promise by giving us and bringing peace by giving us his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, God has given us peace in a person. In the Old Testament, a passage found in the book of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That passage in Isaiah was written seven centuries before an angel from heaven shows up. An angel from heaven shows up and announces the arrival of the Prince of Peace, saying, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Have you ever wondered why we call Jesus the Prince of Peace. Why do we call Jesus the Prince of Peace? Well, the verse the verse I just read to you goes on for two more verses, and it explains to us why Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It says, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace? Peace? on those on whom his favor rests. Jesus is the Prince of Peace because it emphasizes why he came. Jesus came to bring peace between humanity and God. Humanity and God. He is the Prince of Peace because he brings peace between us and God through his redemptive work. Yes, our Lord is referred to the Prince of Peace because he brings everlasting peace with God for everyone who believes in him. His arrival, the arrival of Jesus as the Prince of Peace is also spoken about In in another gospel, the gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 2, where it stands written, it stands written this, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, some other passages say magi, from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, when we read that, that gives us a, even a stronger emphasis on the, Jesus being the, uh, the prince of peace. But when we re- when we look at this second passage that I just read to you, I want you to notice two things. The first thing I want you to notice is the wise men, the magi. We are told that they are from the east. What does that mean? It means that they're not Jewish. They're not from the nation of Israel. They're from the east of of, of the nation. Uh, Traditional and and, uh, traditional tradition holds and Christian interpretations have held that these kings, these magi, these wise men came from a region of Persia, Persia, uh there were probably Babylonians. The second thing I want you to notice is that's it what we're going to focus on more this afternoon. Is that they mentioned a star. Now, the word that they mention, a star, is a star, a like a like a comment, but a star. It, it is really a star. It has oftentimes been referred to as Christians as the star of Bethlehem. Our passage today is about a, uh, about a messianic prophecy about a star that comes out of Jacob. Out of Jacob, this prophecy that was, that Christy read to us just a few minutes ago was written 1400 years before Jesus was born. The, mess, the messianic prophecy that we just had read to us was, was again written 1400 centuries, 1400 years before the birth of Jesus. And when we hear it say that a star will rise out of Jacob, when it refers to Jacob, it's, it's talking about the people of God, people of the promise. It says a star will rise out of the people of of God, basically. You see, we know that it is talking about when it says this star, and in the Old Testament, when we read numbers, we read the the Hebrew word used there is, again, a a uh, celestial uh, being or a, a star, or some, some people will refer to it as a comet or something else. It, it is not... A figment of somebody's imagination. It was a real object that they saw, that they they could see there. And when it refers to the people of Jacob, we know today that it is referring to Jesus. The people of Jacob are the people of Israel. A star will rise out of Israel. We know, and we we know today that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Israel. Jesus Christ is what Israel, the nation of Israel, was intended to be. He is a part. He's a Jew. He came out of the nation of Israel, but he is the fulfillment of Israel. And anyone who believes in him is now a part of true Israel. If you believe in Christ, you are a part of the people of God. You are a part of true Israel. So as we look at our passage, we want to get a better understanding of what it is talking about. We know that it is talking about a star. Now, remember in, in the Old Testament, when the, when the Jews left Egypt and they went into the wilderness on the way to the promised land, there was a Shekinah glory that they saw, all the Jews saw, a pillar of fire at night and clouds, a pillar of clouds during the day. It was what we would refer to as uh, as a shekinah of glory. It is it is a it is a, a manifestation of God Himself that was real. They saw it and they followed it, and it took them through the wilderness. Well, when when it talks about a star, it is talking about a, a an object, and we know that this prophecy prophecy is talking about. A king, when it says star, because of what it says in the second part of verse 17, it says a scepter, which refers to a scepter, refers to the sovereignty of a king. So we know that it is talking about a king, a king who will rise out of Israel. Now, have you ever heard of this prophecy before? Have you ever wondered where this star came from, and and why these wise men knew about it, and God's uh, of the people, the people of Israel, and and the ministers of, of God, so to speak, even from the temple, the priests from the temple weren't aware of it. This 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 prophecy comes to us. And the prophecy of the star of Bethlehem comes to us from what what we just read today, the star that rises out of Jacob, same object, and it refers to a king. So as we look at the prophecy, we need to get a little background as to what's going on to better understand it and to better understand what gave rise to this prophecy. Now, the narrative of this story is about a, man, uh, a king named Balak, a king of the king of Moab. Now, this king is concerned about what's going on with the Israelites. Okay, remember, 1400 years before the birth of Christ. Now, the Israelites were around, and, and he is concerned about how more powerful and how bigger they're getting. So, this king. Solicits help from Balaam. Now Balaam is a wicked, uh, a, a wicked prophet, but he's not a Jew. He is a non-Jew. Okay, some people think he is from Babylon, but he's a seer. And so he goes to Balak goes to Balaam to Get him to pronounce a curse, a curse on the Israelites. That's what he, that's that's what Bala- uh Balaam does as a wicked as a wicked seer, if you will, or a prophet. So Balaam is known to the Israelites. Because he had interactions with the Israelites as they made their way from Egypt to the promised land. So they're aware of him. And, and that's how we are aware of him in the Old Testament. Balak, King Balak, hires Balaam so that again, so that he can pronounce a curse on Israel. However, when Balaam inquires of the Lord. Basically, he is told not to curse the Israelites because they are blessed of God. That's what he tells Balak. I can't curse them. They're blessed of God. Now, there's some uh, some interesting stuff going on here because we know he's not an Israelite. We know he's a non-Jew. We know he's a pagan, so to speak, from Babylon. Now, despite Balaam's reluctancy to pronounce a curse on Israel, because he he gets, it was revealed to him by God not to curse Israel, because they were blessed with God. But it, it, in spite of his reluctancy to pronounce a curse on on Israel, he still attempts to do so. And now you can imagine. As he attempts to pronounce a curse on the nation of Israel, he pronounces, going going say a curse on them. As he's speaking, he pronounces a blessing on them. He pronounces a messianic prophecy on them, a, a blessing on what they will do. And that's what we read about in our passage. This is some interesting and very strange stuff that we're reading here. and We're trying to understand how God can work with a wicked prophet like that. How does that work? How do we handle that? How do we, how do we register all this? How can God use a wicked prophet such as Balaam to pronounce a blessed and true prophecy on God's people? Well, the reason for the story highlights the sovereignty of God. The reason this is going on highlights who God is. He is sovereign. And the inability for anyone to pronounce a curse on God's people. We see the same thing as we see God working outside of the nation of Israel, outside his people, throughout Scripture. But we see it in the New Testament. I just spoke about it. We have these wise men that came from the East. These are not Jews. They're Gentiles. They're they're pagans. They have come because they have seen this star of Bethlehem. And, And listen, it is interesting to note that they're the only ones that see this star. Herod's wise men, Herod's priests don't see it. No one else seems to see it. And not only that, these wise men, these magi who have come from the east, know the prophecy of Balaam. They know about the star that was, was prophesied to rise out of Jacob. And they know that that star was an indication of a king rising. They know the prophecy. And they probably know it because Balaam was Babylonian or Balaam was was from the east where they were from. So they probably heard about it and they responded to it. They came, these non-Jews came to announce the arrival of the Messiah to the Jewish people, to the Israelites. Say, he's arrived. We know this this is is clearly a demonstration of the sovereignty of God and how he works. We know this is so, because even in in the last book of, of of the New Testament, we can clearly see the sovereignty of Christ at the end of the age where Christ will make himself visible to the entire planet whether you're saved or not, doesn't matter. Everyone will see him coming. That's what it says in verse seven of chapter one. It says, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye, every eye, saved or not, shall see him. Even those who pierced him, pierced him. All the people of the earth will wail, will mourn because of him. And so it shall be, amen. That's the sovereignty of God. That's the power of God. This is how God works. This is who he is. So now as we look at the prophecy, we can tell, we can see that Balaam has gotten into some type of trance when he's pronouncing this blessing. He he intends to pronounce this curse, and he ends up pronouncing this blessing. He ends up saying something that he doesn't even understand what he's saying. He says, I see him, but not not now. I behold him, but not near. This prophecy, that's an indication that this prophecy is set in the distant future, not near. He sees this king. He sees him, but not now. He sees him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. I agree with uh, with, what many theologians have written about this. Um, The prophecy, this prophecy spans the entire sweep of human history, entire human history. Nation after nation will rise to world dominance and then fall to defeat. And when the Messianic king arrives on the scene, no people other than God's people who have been set apart by God will survive the final day a day of destruction. A day of destruction. God's people on that day will be the only ones standing. This prophecy is about a, the coming Prince of Peace, who is Jesus. Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he came to do the work of our redemption at the first advent. He shows up to redeem us. So then when he redeems us and we believe in him, we are no longer at war with god we're no longer enemies of god he brings peace with god for everyone who believes in him jesus is also called the prince of peace because at his second advent that when he returns he will do away with all of god's enemies he will do away with all of God's enemies. If, not, if there are no enemies, there's peace in the kingdom of God. See, That's what we need to hear when we read a passage like this. When we read this passage, we need to hear that Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he does away with all of God's enemies. Jesus brings peace to everyone who believes in him. That is everyone who has faith in him and his work. Thereby, they, that is we, that is you, are no longer at war with God. You are at peace. Jesus also brings peace to those who do not believe in him, who do not have faith in him and his work on the cross. He brings peace to them by rendering a perfect judgment of condemnation. Those condemned shall be permanently dispossessed, meaning they will be cast out forever from the presence of God. So do you see the transforming message that we just read? It is transforming. Our text is transforming. It's interesting to note that Balaam never found the blessing he, the blessing he sought. Did you know that when he blessed Israel, and again, this is, this is beyond him when he did it, he said that he wanted to die the death of the righteous, to die the death of the righteous, because he realized that the people of God were the righteous people of God because of God. And he says, he goes on to say later on, that he wants to die like them. He wants to die the death of the righteous. But unfortunately, like so many other people that we know, unfortunately, his life did not match up to his words. Just because he says he wants to die the death of the righteous doesn't mean that he believed doesn't mean that he submitted to God. That's like so many people that we know—they believe in Jesus. They say they believe in Jesus. They say this a bit to Him, but their life betrays them. That's what happened to to Balaam. See, if Balaam really wanted to die the death of the righteous, what could he have done? He could have gone to the nation of Israel and found out what was going on there, uh, bowed down to to the God of Israel. But he doesn't. He doesn't do that. Balaam, like so many other people that we know, could follow the way of the wise men. Where did the wise men, where did the magi go? Where did they leave? Where did they go to after they left Herod? They went and found the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, and they worshiped him. They showed us a way to heaven. Non Jews, Gentiles, showed us, showed you and me the way to salvation through Christ. That's it. That's how we die the death of the righteous. Do you want to die the death of the righteous? You see, all of us will die. Now it's just a matter of dying and heading to the kingdom of God and being a part of his kingdom. That's the question we have today. That is the big question for all of us to, to ponder. And I, and I know the answer that you have. You do want to die the death of the righteous. Die unto self, die unto self, and live, live your life to Christ our Lord. That is the death of the righteous if you're those who are not in Christ, need to follow the lead the, 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 the lead of what our our, our our word, the Word of God tells us, even what the Word of God says that the, the Magi were doing, leading us to Christ and then worshiping him. That's how you receive salvation eternal. You see, Jesus is the star who rose out of Jacob. Everyone who comes to God through the light of Christ will be called children of the Most High. Let us pray together. Oh, gracious Father, we do stop to thank you for your love and thank you for the You've been listening to Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching his word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.